knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. The shadow knows. <laughs> <laughs> My nerds, welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. Welcome back inside our crazy brains. I didn't even know you knew The Shadow. That's oh, pretty I good. I listen to a lot of The Shadow. Going oh, on. The Shadow. Yeah. I, I could tell you a good story about The Shadow, but that may have to wait till till next Halloween. Yeah, The Shadow, we're not actually talking about The Shadow at all, but there, I do have a segue because this is how... You know what? This is how you roll. This is how I roll, and I'm your brilliant segways. Um, because brilliant in quotation it's marks. It's October. We're talking. Paul is forcing me to talk about horror films. Yes. And so I, in my own sneaky way, uh, forced Paul to talk about non-horror uh, films by hated saying, it. "Hey, since you're making me watch this horror film, um, our our rank geek segment should be on." The scariest non-horror, non-horror horror movies, film. yeah, and uh, which is a really weird category. I mean, how do you define category. a horror movie? And I'm I'm looking forward to how we define this because I think we probably, as usual, did it very differently. Than <laughs> I would imagine so. Um, but the shadow for me was uh, I would listen to this old timey radio show when I was growing up. I had a radio that I would put under my pillow, and. Uh, would listen to stuff like Adventures in Odyssey, but then there was this. There was two radio shows, and they would play old radio shows. Like their radio show was to play old radio right. shows, and The Shadow was one of my favorites. But it terrified one of my younger brothers. Hence, why he was I had a smart younger brother under my uh, pillow, right, so that he couldn't hear it. Yeah, because uh, it just freaked him out, and and so it was like, well, it's The Shadow was not a horror show. No, there were other horror no. shows like Lights Out. Yeah, um, and. Suspense was even could yeah, be yeah, there yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, but but Shadow had some horror elements there to were, it. It often dealt with you know the occult or the supernatural yeah, it would deal or with some really creepy stuff. Yeah, and so I was like, you know, and and then it got me to thinking as we were talking about horror films and how much I hate horror films. <laughs> it was like, but there have been non-horror films that really disturbed me, frightened me, freaked me out. Whether it was a theme in yeah. the movie, whether it was a scene in the movie um, or a character and so that's where I was like alright let's talk about it yeah yeah so that's a lead up to our second segment right right. that's what we're going to be talking about after our main segment and I've just been avoiding you've been avoiding it, it. I can tell you. I literally did not even watch it until this afternoon oh you're kidding me <laughs> because I, every night I was like ah, nope don't want to what, what is to. wrong with you so we're talking about The Haunting, the, the 1963 haunting. version of yep. The Haunting, right? You didn't watch the new one with... Correct. Okay. I knew enough to avoid the new one. Plus, oh. you made it very explicit in your email. Yeah, don't 1963. watch... 1963. 19... Not 1999. <laughs> oh, goodness me. That 1999 version. I was so excited about it because I had already been a Haunting fan. Watched it. I was so disappointed. The only good thing like, about it was Catherine Zeta-Jones. And that was kind of like in Liam Neeson's dark years. Yeah. Right? He had well, some like high points early on with like Rob Roy and Schindler's List. And then there was the like... The Mission. The Mission. And then there was like kind of nothing for a long time that was very good for him. And then I feel like he kind of re-exploded onto the scene with Taken. Yeah. Yeah. With his particular set of skills. <laughs> and so... uh 
Yeah, Paul knows that I hate horror films. I hate them with a passion. This is going to be a nice tradition, making uh, you watch a horror movie he's every like, year. I'm making you watch a horror movie. This is great. So we watched The Haunting. Yes. Uh, but like I said, I literally did not watch it until this afternoon. <laughs> this afternoon. <laughs> That's shameful. You need to watch it. Yeah, you need to watch it in the dark. The volume turned Mister. pretty low. Oh. And While you were on. making sandwiches, <laughs> see you can't watch the haunting. While like I was that. watching a briefing in Washington D.C. Oh. on the side, Jake, which I am, is about the best horror I am film experience so, I've ever had in my entire life. I am life, so, so thank you for that. disappointed. <laughs> so disappointed. Hey, I'm you know I'm letter of the law. Oh goodness, <laughs> this because just I makes me I've, furious. I don't know if did this come up on like my embarrassing pop culture confessions, like the worst. And probably one of my first horror experiences was with Silence of the Lambs. Which is a pretty creepy movie. Nobody told me it was a horror film. I thought it was just like a mystery thriller. Right. Which it and, sort of is. And it, and it does have yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, of course, I was about 15 or 16 years old. I knew my parents. When you watched Silence of the yeah, Lambs? I, yeah, because I knew my parents weren't going to let me. But I had a library card, so it's fitting that I'm telling the story in the, li- <laughs> in the library. Um, and the bookmobile would drive. We lived way outside of town. The bookmobile would come out. And you could make reservations uh, online, and then the bookmobile would bring them out to you. And my mom would let me go pick everything up from the bookmobile as a 15-year-old. Oh. And I had my own library card. So I could reserve stuff on my own library card. So I, I snuck the Silence of the Lambs. Oh my into the house. goodness! And of I knew no it was, accountability. Right, it, uh, well, I, I got punished for it by my own, you know, <laughs> not by my parents because they didn't learn about this till I got older. Yeah, but they're by, learning about by it right the now. Action. Yeah. In that, I snuck it home. I waited until about midnight when I knew everybody was asleep. <laughs> and in my own room, oh, lights off, headphones on. My laptop on my lap, <laughs> watching Silence of the Lambs, and at, you know, of course, it ends. Your little brother who was scared of the they shadow. Were, I was actually in my own room by this. Point. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So I was thinking this is going to be really traumatic for you. Yeah, and no, the brothers. They, they weren't there. I was by myself, and of course, the movie ends with this dark house scene where all the power is killed, but the murderer. Yeah. This guy who skins women alive, you know, basically, has night vision goggles, and he's stalking. Terrifying. It's terrifying. And yeah. I'm literally sitting in a completely dark house by myself. <laughs> it's like, he could be... I, movie's done. I shut that thing off. I turned on every single light in the yeah. upstairs of our house. Went and sat on the couch with my back to the wall, just like checking my... Never used candles, lotion again. And have still not used lotion to this day. Yeah. Yeah, I can't say that I blame you. No. So there you go. Um, and I, I I just hate horror films. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you seem to be ignoring this one now, too. <laughs> I, I am literally doing everything I can to avoid this conversation subconsciously. So without further ado, it's time for The Haunting. Jake, let me read you the opening lines from Shirley Jackson's classic 1959 novel, The Haunting. How about we don't and let's, let's do. say we didn't? Let's do. No, this is great. No live organism can continue for long to exist sanely under conditions of absolute reality. Even larks and katydids are supposed by some to dream. Hill House, not sane, stood by itself against the hills, holding darkness within. It had stood so for eighty years and might stand for eighty more. Within walls continued upright, bricks met neatly, floors were firm and doors were sensibly shut. 
silence lay steadily against the wood and stone of Hill House, and whatever walked there walked alone. I can't do a... <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? That is some artsy-fartsy bullcrap. It's great. It is also, great. Also, spoiler alert, because that's literally the closing line of the movie. Artsy-fartsy what? That's... No, your line. Yeah, no, no. So that, that's that's the, cl- that, like, the last half of what you just read is the closing line. It begins and ends neatly like a good novel should. And like a great movie, it does. It totally ends neatly. Not satisfyingly, not happily, but neatly. Okay, um, fake fart noises aside. I did did think the last line in the movie, which is apparently the first line in the book about we who walk here walk alone. And first line in the movie. Was interesting. Because you probably missed it because you were watching your... DC yeah, it was, thing. was in another state. Oh my goodness! Um, while I was still in this state, was that the first line? Yeah, in the movie. Yeah, they they actually read the whole here, bit, like around. like the last couple of lines that I read. That's actually the very beginning of the movie. So it's the very, la- it's the very end of the movie. Did it also movie? is. It also is the very beginning of the movie. Wait, so it's just deja vu of itself. Oh I swear goodness. I watched the beginning. No, of well, and, and that's the whole point. That. That's the whole point of the movie, actually, is that it's that's sort of deja vu. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, it's history repeating itself. So, essentially, I'll just, I'll outline this because obviously you don't have a good recollection of the movie, mm, even though not. you just watched it this afternoon. Which I'm grateful for. <laughs> it's about this haunted house, right? Mm-hmm. This is This is one of the great cinematic depictions of a haunted house in history. And so what you have is this house that has had a whole bunch of terrible things happen in it. Hugh Crane built it for his wife who never made it. She wrecked on the way there. Hugh Crane. Crane. Mm. So it's a thinly veiled Russian propaganda piece. Oh, my goodness. Because the villain is Hugh Crane. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Now I love the movie all of a sudden. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, Hugh comes to the house with his little daughter, and she grows up in this house, and she becomes old and decrepit. Way to gloss over the... Oh, yeah, there was a second wife, wife who, who died falling down the stairs no, because she saw something. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the first, wife dies first one dies on, on the, the way. Driveway. Yeah, and the second one falls down the stairs because she sees something terrible to, in the I house. I took a note on this after the first wife dies, and then Hugh Crane uh, makes... Just lays out her dead body on his couch. Yeah. And then forces his, like, he was... six-year-old daughter to stare at it. And she, like, goes to turn away. And he, like, grabs her head and is like, you will look at your dead mother's face. It was hardcore back there in the Crane household. It was seriously hardcore. So, so know, that was rough. So, anyway, Went, but Abigail, Abigail, the daughter, yeah. she then, grows up and goes gets old. Another thing, a note from her childhood in her nursery. Yes. Says, suffer little children. I know. Not, I know. Not suffer the little children, like be paid. Suffer little children. And not only does it say that once, it says it three times in a row. Oh, I know. I know. It's fun fact. It is a messed up house. It's supposed to be oh, a messed up house. It's all on the nose for me. Oh, my goodness. What is wrong with you? We'll get into this later. I've got to. I'm still like, recapping let me slap the story. You in the face with this. <laughs> little children suffer. Let me suffer re- little children. <laughs> it's all atmospheric. I'm like, fine. It's all I atmospheric. It. Okay. It's, now, not, it's not atmospheric if it's just literally. Right no, no, there no, in no, no. Face. You're you're interrupting <laughs> my recap. I, Let's finish the recap. I needed to get that. So in there. Abigail gets old, 
the little girl who's right? forced to look at her dead mother and exactly. suffer little children nursery. Exactly. Exactly. So she gets old. She stays in the nursery her entire mm-hmm. life. She has this companion. The companion ignores her one night, and she— Because she was horny. Because she was having an, a little rendezvous with the uh, the barn person— Farmhand. And farmhand. Yeah. I just, I, I have a note. Oh, why are you taking? this section oh. where, because this was also very, I was like, maybe this was the first movie. I think that you, you were went. primed to be a little too critical. <laughs> but it was like, he was like, now this is where the real disturbing evil of Hill House began in earnest when she has a little fling with the farmhand. It's like, there's been death and like ghostly murder and like torture, you know, like emotional abuse of children. But the real disturbing evil was when the the you know when they she finally had the the companion had some romance in her life. You are being a terrible co-host right now. Terrible, <laughs> terrible. Let me just finish the recap. Perhaps this is all part of my diabolical plan. I think you took this to watch a horror movie ever again. <laughs> oh no, no this this increases my desire to make you watch horror movies. So anyway, but it was just like, it was so okay. So like, no, no, no. It's like, oh yeah, of course, because there's Jake, sex. Jake, somebody has to die. Jake, you need to be quiet now. <laughs> now, it was such okay, a good movie. Ukraine. <laughs> so, so Abigail gets old, right? She's she in the old. nursery. She dies because her companion doesn't fall. Doesn't get her. Right? Illicit sex with a farmhand. Exactly. So you've got all these, all this bad history. And then it sort of falls into this one guy's hands. And so it becomes this object of interest for this paranormal psychologist. Anthropologist. Yeah, whatever. Something that, like that. That's a plot point later on. Yeah. So anyway, anyway. <laughs> you say I don't pay attention. <laughs> He was, he's this old British guy, well, mustachioed British guy, who wants to bring a whole bunch of, like, psychically in tune individuals just to see if they can find out whether this is a real haunted house or not. And so they, they go to this house. Only two psychic individuals show up. Um, Theo, who's this psychic who can read minds and stuff and has, has, has sort of a do. creepy type of vibe to her. And then there's Eleanor. like sultry and alluring. But we'll, know, we'll talk creepy, about yeah. that later. <laughs> and then there's Eleanor, who had a very strange experience when she was, she was like 13, like rocks fell down from the sky on her house. And she's been spending the been? last many, many years. 11, well, let's see. There's an interesting thing years. there. The last 11 years. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, actually caring for her sick mother until her mother died. And well, so she was not having illicit sex. So go figure. I don't know what the moral of this movie is. <laughs> and if so if you're a virgin, your mom's going to die. If you're not a virgin, she's going to die. This is this is what happens in life. People die. regardless of your sexuality, your mom's going to die. <laughs> so that's what I got from So here mom. we go. And, All right, we're done. We're there. And they're in the house, and bad things happen. What bad things happen, Paul? Well, I'm not going to oh, tell you. That, my recap is done. Thank goodness. <laughs> I finally got through it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Paul, this isn't going to take long at all. <laughs> wink, so, wink, okay. Nudge, nudge. All right. So, so you thought it was too on the nose. Uh, some of that stuff was a little on the nose. All right. So tell me, tell me your reaction to The Haunting, and then I'll tell you why you're wrong. Uh well, I mean, I, I made some of my... I've got more notes, and I'll get to them. Uh, overall, <laughs> overall, the the atmospheric quality of the film, aside from a few of the things that I thought were a little on the nose, was really good. 
Oh. The quality of the cinema actually holds up. And some of the things they do cinematically, some of my notes are actually on some of the shots that you see in the right. film. Because I think we talked about it like with Vertigo back when we yeah, watched yeah, yeah. Vertigo, where there were some really inventive things that they did that weren't really being done. And there was also at that time, and there was a lot of that in this film. So like there's that scene where they use shaky cam. And like you don't, the shaky cam was not used. It was decades away. Yeah, essentially. that was not a thing, and and it was only in one random spot. Right. And so it was like, wait, am I watching a movie that's more modern than it really is? So that was pretty cool. The wild zoom. There was a scene where you know the protagonist or antagonist, depending on your read of this film, is is looking up at this malevolent the, the tower. tower. Yes. And and then it shoots up. The camera swing, you know, pops. Quickly, quick smash cut to the tower's perspective down on her, and then there's this wild zoom down into her face, and it was fantastic. Like I, that was actually a scene I wanted to watch again just to try to guess how they even shot it. Right, right. Because it felt so, it felt so like far ahead of its time in the film. And then certain effects, like there's later on in the movie where a door starts to get, you know, it starts to move and, essentially. Yeah, and. It's uh, one of the creepiest scenes in, in the movie. That it shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. And and even though you know that's a practical special effect, uh, you're like that actually works really well. And so there were a few things about the atmospheric tension that the movie did and the cinematic quality of the film that I actually thought held up pretty well. Yeah, the last nearly sixty years. Yeah, and let me let me interrupt you here for a minute, just because I think probably a lot of listeners, all all two of them. Maybe more familiar with the Netflix version of The Haunting, uh, The Haunting of Hill House that they did just very, very recently. That was show. also very well done. Doesn't have anything to do with this haunting at all. But Except isn't it based on the same house? Based on the same house, and it has the same characters, but the characters are totally different, if that makes sense. Like like Nell, Eleanor in the movie, she's, you know, she's an unrelated person who falls under the spell of the house. Nell is in the TV show is is one twin of a family of five who also sort of falls under the spell of the house, but her ending is completely different. So the, her story is really completely different. So the the haunting on Netflix was also really atmospheric, really brought the house to life, but it was also much more graphic. The thing that I really appreciate about this version of the haunting and the reason why I actually thought it would be a good one for you to watch, it's... It's literally rated G. Right. There is it's no gore. G. Exactly. You don't see any gore, no blood. You don't even see anything that's really haunting right. in the haunting. Yeah. It's all incredibly atmospheric. It's all very psychological. You see certain elements of the house, like the breathing door, like the twisting of the doorknobs, like how they, they play the around with the walls. wallpaper. Yeah. yeah, all that sort of stuff. It's It's all very... Very subtle in its own way. And I think that that because of that, that's one of the things that I really appreciate this. It doesn't rely on anything graphic or overt for its scares. It's all about it's all about, you know, atmosphere. Yeah, and I, and I do appreciate that. Like, I appreciate the closest I've ever come to appreciating horror films is like Alfred Hitchcock. And he builds suspense. And he builds suspense the way uh, I do. And um, we, you know, you probably hear me a lot better right now, you as the listener. And I was building suspense. It was was atmospheric. I I wanted to sound a little bit ghostly for the first, you know, 20 or so minutes of the podcast. 
until I realized, you know, there was a technical glitch and it was probably a real ghost. But, uh, but like, I've really enjoyed Alfred Hitchcock's stuff and, you know, even the original Psycho and The Birds, where it's, it's, all left really up to you to scare yourself in a, in a sense. And there's a lot of, a lot of that in this film. Yeah. And, and so while I did not, I can't say that I enjoyed it. I think there was an element of it that I was like, I, I appreciate the craft that this takes. Yeah. I just still hate, I get zero enjoyment out of being scared. Like when I watch TV or movies and so like, or, or being, yeah. So it's like, not, I'm not here for that. So it, this did not cure me of my so, disapproval of horror as a genre. Yeah, no, I, I think that... <laughs> Distaste better. I, I think that one of the interesting things about the, the, the movie, actually, is that the, um, the screenwriter actually went into this project with the idea that it was all just in Nell's head. And that's one of the reasons why you never see anything is because he sort of took it as sort of this more psychological watching her descend into madness because of this house. Now, he talked with Shirley Jackson and Shirley Jackson, the author of the book, said, oh, yo, no, this is really a haunted house. So it's because of that, there's an interesting blend where some viewers, I think it's completely a haunted house movie, but some viewers can see sort of the balance between is it really a haunting or is it really just a haunting of this woman's mind? And so because of that that interesting little um, psychological twist, I, I find it kind of interesting, too. And yeah. really, if there is one movie that can convince someone like you to really appreciate this sort of thing, it would be The Haunting, really. So were you scared? Um, I, I think I would have been had I watched it at night. I think I would have been unsettled. Right. More so than scared. Yeah. Um, and and it because it has a very unsettling quality to it. Right, all the different camera angles, like you were talking about before. Right, the way it uses sound and things like that. Like I think that's a um, probably another thing that it does really well is using the sound mm-hmm. editing mm-hmm. Uh, to keep things feeling, you know, sudden, feeling urgent and feeling slow and kind of ebbing and flowing throughout the film to kind of keep you like not really aware of when something's going to change and become loud or quiet. And so um, it catches you off guard at times, even when you watch it during the day, (laughs) while distracted with your, you know, chicken quesadilla that you made halfway through the movie, Uh, (laughs) which is how, which is how I watched it. Um, Um. But, uh, yeah, no, I think I, I, for a little bit I was wondering if it was all in her head, but then it's by the end they make it very clear that it's not. Right. Um, and so – but there's a there's a bit of appreciation for the fact that it's able to play with both of those even if it ends up making it pretty clear that it's not in her head because you see other people clearly affected by – you know, and, and saying it outright. Again, right, exactly. A bit on the nose where be. they're like, no, yeah, you yeah. Know, the one not – like the two non-believers are like, yep, this is for sure real. Like, this is – this is a bad, <laughs> no bad doubt. house. Yeah, no, it's and it is, and I will agree with you, especially since it was made in 1963. It's there are elements that are really super subtle, and there are elements that feel a little bit cliched just because we live 50 years later, and so many of the things that that movies like this sort of created, right? You know, they're they've become sort of traditional elements of these sorts of stories. So because of that, there are going to be, and, you know, frankly, some of the writing can be just a little bit clunky. You know, there there are elements where 
that just don't quite work. They feel kind of dated. But in terms of like the atmosphere and in, in terms of how it makes you feel, I think it holds up really well. There are other horror movies that I've watched from this time period don't hold up nearly as well. Yeah, and and I think that bears out like even beyond us where I did look at a bunch of reviews like on IMDb and there were so many people that are like, oh my goodness, either I rediscovered this or I watched it for the first time and I'm a big horror fan and I've never been as creeped out as I was after watching The Haunting. Yeah. And it just left me so truly and horribly disturbed with my own existence. And <laughs> um, and so I was like, well, I'm definitely watching this during the day. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but I, 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 did, I also thought, like, I, I know I made jokes about the sex in it, but I did think that there was a bunch of it that felt like it was uh, very much a movie about repression right? and right. sexual repression and how that played into the sanity like in and in the writing right. where sometimes it was not very subtle at all. I wrote down several lines, you know, yeah. where it was like, uh, you know, the, the, the maid at the house kept reiterating, no one can hear you in the night. <laughs> In in the dark, See, that's just in the night, mind. in the dark, and that's not well, the but writing. then it goes. But that was after they talked about like how the real disturbing evil of the house came to be because of illicit sex between the companion and the farmhand, and so like they mixed the sex and death like right away again, tastefully, and right. that they don't show anything, right. but they make it very clear. And then it like, and then you have Nell, you know, the innocent. Right. repressed character who's only been taking care of Very her mom and yes. um you know start and and you have the 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 anthropologist saying to her well no no you should be innocent and receptive <laughs> and it's like okay all right and then it's, oh, she's and then it geez. goes into you know all i want is to be cherished and then literally the next line is the lustful will be damned for eternity no well and the- then it's like then even as she like fall, she starts to fall for the anthropologist, and then she's kind of like falling right. for the house, and then when the house seems to take it's a weird another love triangle in a way, with, right? With those three characters, right? Quote, unquote characters, and then like when the house seems to maybe take another woman, like her literal line is, "No, she can't satisfy it. No one else can but me." Well, and and see that actually does it does get back to the hunger. Yeah. I think more than lust, although lust is a... I think lust is a form of hunger. Exactly. Yeah. You have this hunger and you have this sense of, of this hungry house that, that needs to continue to take in these things. But, you know, sex is Because it only kills women. Well, seemingly so. That's a good point. Um, it made me think of when we talked about, like, bad movies that we've never watched back from MST3K of, like, the deathbed like where the mattress. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's a demon that's in a mattress and it kills people after they have sex on it. That's like it's like this house just lures women in to be like, "Yeah, you're mine." Yeah. Yeah, it's it it is an interesting thing. I got to tell you a quick story about the haunting. Okay. So getting back to to all your IMDb reviews. So when I was a kid, like me and my best friend, we got into this horror thing where we would we would go to the local video store. This is when you still checked out VHS tapes from. Hey, I know, did wherever. that as a kid. So. Yeah, yeah. So you would go in and we go to the horror wall and then we would pick up these things. We saw. I don't think we ever saw the bed movie, but we did see this <laughs> this movie called The Lift, which I really wanted to see and we never did. But the the tagline was, you know, it's this killer elevator. There's oh, the elevator. Yeah, it, 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 there's a guy's head getting crushed in the door. All right. 
and the tagline is the stairs the stairs my god take the stairs <laughs> it was really which weird. was a metaphor about america's burgeoning <laughs> problem with overeating on sugar and getting <laughs> obese so anyway every weekend about we would we would get one of these terrible horror movies and we watch it and we were always looking for something that was kind of good that would be kind of scary mm-hmm. and a little bit before this, I had talked with my dad because my dad used to watch some horror movies. And I remember asking him one time, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? And he said, The Haunting. And this was years later. My friend and I saw The Haunting on the shelf, right? And we saw it was black and white. We, it looked sort of cheesy. And we thought, oh, this will be great. We can watch my dad's favorite horror movie and make fun of it. <laughs> we were freaked. Freaked. It was. It's. It's a really great movie because even though it is disturbing and unsettling, it's not the type of movie that when you drive home at night, you're looking in the back seat for someone who's going to kill you. You know, it. It has that good, creepy, eerie feel, but it doesn't. Doesn't necessarily last. Yeah, I've already forgotten <laughs> everything except all the sexual repression that was happening. Oh my goodness. I think you're reading a little too much into that. Listen to me. <laughs> me saying you're reading too much into this. Yes. <laughs> Usually I accuse you of this, so. Hmm. Uh, me thinks thou doth protest too much. Very interesting. It's like we were so creeped out, but we also really resonated because we were teenage boys who were super nerdy. And, <laughs> you know, that's oh how it goes. I can't believe you just read that. <laughs> Went where? I didn't say anything. Did I say it? Did I say anything? Oh, my goodness. I just I, – I don't know what you're talking about. Um, just let me see if I have any more notes to dig you with. Nope, I got it all. All right. All right. That's all, that's all that you guys need to know about the haunting. Quick game update. I'm very depressed. Kansas City is leading I'm, 20 to 6. This was my other way to get back at Paul for making me watch a horror movie. We're that I taping this during this the Broncos taping during game. the Broncos game. That's terrible. It was completely unintentional. But the fact that they are down by a lot – it does make it, me. Yeah. It's a good segue into our next segment. We're going to be talking about horror films or scary. The scariest non-horror films, because right now this is a scary non-horror film for Paul. His <laughs> really team scary. losing by a lot. And so I can't even support them. Without further ado, it's time for Rank Geeks. Oh, I forgot. I, I did forget one more line. <laughs> So uh, I'm just jumping right back in here before Rank Geeks <laughs> because I forgot one more line that really lands the whole repression this is, thing. This is why I've always been more afraid of being alone or being left out than of things that go bump in the night. Oh my Talk goodness. about repression. That is that is not she's no she well, she's like I can't be alone. I want I I would rather be bumping things. Well, and, but see that, that and a, there's bumping. Uglies. Oh my goodness! I can. And there's all the ugly gargoyles that you see. So she's like, she's, Jake. she's like, I'm not afraid of that. I'm afraid of being alone or left out of that. Which is a really profound note. Yeah, actually, when you read it with all the rest of that no, stuff, no, you're no, like, no, 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 absolutely, no, no, this is no, a profound. No, you are- you are a nuanced study of sexual repression. Let me, let me just say that this <laughs> this completely went into a realm of smut that I'm not even sure. <laughs> smut? <laughs> this is in the movie. It was. I'm analyzing the movie. All this into it. The, the, I am not. That was all explicit. They no, had, they literally had no, like no 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 no. See the one place where it shouldn't have been G rated is when they had like the demon sex hell book okay. that they're reading out of. So I'm gonna and oh. it's like here's all these demons tangled up with humans. I guess. This is weird. Oh my goodness! So, this is a- and 
Absolutely. You know, it's funny that you're not actually mentioning the main the main sexual thing that was actually a part of the movie. How she wanted to get it on with? No, 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 no. Which one are you talking about? Theo is a lesbian. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was that mm. was. And they, they dealt with it the only way that they could in 1963 by not actually saying it. But by making you were her so talk busy to her about reading her sister. these dirty things, nah, the I things mean, that weren't dirty at all, that you missed the whole. No, I mean, I just didn't. I didn't want to go that far, but it actually completely fits my narrative no, of sexual repression. Me. Absolutely, you just no, 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 you no, literally no, just no, walked no, right no, into no, my no, reading no, of no, it no, because, because they dealt with it the only way they could by trying repressing it. Boom. <laughs> Jake is dancing around for no good reason because... Paul just self-owned himself. No, 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 no. What else no, is that? No, That's sexual no. repression. No, well, it was... But see, that it doesn't reflect <laughs> the rest of it. Yes, it does. I just no, laid no. out the case for the rest of it. Oh, my goodness. No, <laughs> This has been... So annoying. <laughs> so annoying. It just feels good to get Bronco's one over on you. No, <laughs> but it's... You, you no, said it yourself. No, 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 no. See... Here's the thing, the the bumping and this, the, the aloneness. Innocent it does, and receptive. It does sort of. It, Mrs. Markway can't satisfy it, only I can satisfy it. Totally reading sexual. No. It. Don't read No, they make no. a whole thing about how she Nell's getting into Mr. Markway. Well, yes, yes. That so is there's very that, true. but he's a married. So that like, is very true. Yes. And. Okay, I was just about to. I was just about to say it. Into your say it. Too. No. And what? She dances with the ghost uh-huh. of the train in the statue room. Yeah, there you got that. But still, this is not about sex. It's really about. <laughs> it's about it's so hunger of... and about it, it. Sex is one aspect of it, but it's so much broader than that. So, you know, it's all about hunger and and the evil. You're right. It's about hunger and the. The evil of lust, which oh. does not is not exclusive to sex. You're right. We can have a lust for things that are not sex. Exactly. The movie primarily uses sex as the metaphor for lust in this. Totally there are disappear. there are some other places, but she desires, she craves intimacy. She and, does crave intimacy. And and by and the, the very clear byproduct of that is the sexual repression that is making it difficult for her to have true intimacy. Is in the movie's no, perspective. No, no, no. I, I don't think that it's sexual repression because on her part. No, I, I think, think that she's... She she's is, been repressed. She has not been repressed. She yeah, has by been, her life circumstance. By her life circumstance. Right. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but she is not, like, being, you know... It's not... It is being forced on her by circumstance. Right. Circumstance so, forced this on her. And and now and these things are being awakened this, and... Yeah, you do have sort of this sense of... of psychological weirdnesses sort of burgeoning in her middle age. Yeah, because she, like, as she doubts herself, she doesn't even know what to do with these things. And that's why you hear her arguing back and forth in her own head, like, oh, I want this, but do I really want this? Is this, Uh, I can get out of this, like, nah, and like... Jake, I, I hate this. I hate this because all of a sudden, that sort of, that sort of tension with Nell in the house, all of a sudden... It sort of fits your terrible narrative. I, I I get it. We should just go on. Yeah. Sorry, Paul. But happy birthday to me. <laughs> it feels good being 30. I just unlocked a whole new level of baller. <laughs> now it's time to go back to Rank Geeks.
Welcome inside Rank Geeks, we're a bunch of smelly nerds. <laughs> well, one smelly nerd and one guy freaking out over the Broncos losing to the Chiefs. What is going on with this? <laughs> they were driving and now they've stopped and Kansas City is driving again. Joe Flacco. Oh. But we're here to talk about the scariest slash most frightening slash disturbing, unsettling non-horror films. You know what? Hmm. Patrick Mahomes, who's on my fantasy team, isn't even doing well. Oh, yeah? Okay. They're just... I'm sorry. Yes. We're <laughs> on to, to Rank Geeks. Sorry. Uh, uh, Paul, would you like to start and tell me... This is a terrible day for me. <laughs> this is just terrible. Jake was right. The Broncos are losing. Patrick Mahomes isn't even doing well. Jake was not right. Our I pets' heads are falling Jake's off. Point. That's different than Jake being right. <laughs> Uh, okay, do you Paul, want me to begin? Why don't you go ahead and give us number oh. five on your list of the scariest non-horror non films? Yeah, non so they're not a, you're not they're so, not your traditional horror film, but they were what? Well, what were they for you? You okay. describe like how you made your list. All right, so so I stayed away from anything that could even be considered a horror movie, really. So like. There's been debate whether Alien is a sci-fi movie, is it a horror movie? It has enough horror elements where I ignored movies like Alien or anything that sort of straddles that fence yeah. for me. So it was really just all about pure non-horror things. And and to be honest with you, I am making up this list as we go. <laughs> There's okay. a couple of things right. that I'm going to decide whether what I want to do with them as we as we go. So, and I'm also sort of doing it slightly by chronological order because it's sort of the way I was I was thinking about it at the time. Okay. And so I'm going to start with the very first movie that I ever ever saw as a child in the theater. All right. Snow White. Snow White. Snow White. That's a solid White pick here. Creeped me out. That scene where the the queen turns into the witch, where her hands get all gnarled right. and the hairs flying out. And the whole dungeon thing and the crow and the skull, man, that was creepy. That set for me the template of what creepy horror should be, even though it was in a Disney cartoon. You know, I, I have never liked Snow White as a as an overall movie. I like The Seven Dwarfs fine, but Snow White itself, like especially when you go back and read some of the original stuff that it was based on, some of those original fairy tales. Snow White Rose Red. Oh my word, there is some garbage stuff, like really horrific horror elements oh, like yeah. stuff. Yeah, and like pedophilia and oh my word. Yeah, those those fairy tales, they were Some of them dark. are like straight up horror. Oh yeah, 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 no doubt. I mean, you think about Hansel and Gretel making that into a movie today. Yeah. Well, you, you're kind of a fan of that, as we found out on Twitter the other day. <laughs> Paul and I had a Twitter exchange where he was he was getting into the dark Hansel and Gretel stuff. You guys will have to go. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that's right. When you started it, man. Yeah. For me, um, I, I went similar in that I wanted to try to avoid movies that were traditionally considered horror right. or horror like, and um, so number five on my list was from 1971, directed by Mel Stewart. Hmm. 1971, Mel Stewart. Yep. And it's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, that's a great pick. That's really good. It's like, oh, it's this terrific family story of a candy factory freaking nightmare. Yeah. Well, for one With these seat, slave right? Oompa Loompas. Oh, so you Overall, the there's a. Uh, I didn't find the whole thing scary. Okay. No, there's there's elements, but it's like it was disturbing to me. Yeah. Like even before the one scene, yeah. which was truly horrifying. Yeah, the, the boat scene. The boat scene where it's like 
you have um, check it out on YouTube. Stock footage of slugs crawling over dead bodies. Chicken being beheaded in the background. Um, like what? Yeah, and no, it was super creepy. But overall, the movie itself disturbed me. Sort of the cavalier attitude as each of the kids and their families got eliminated, like drowned in chocolate, and you know, it was definitely a morality sucked play, up in you know? tubes. And it's a very yeah, it's it had a, it actually had some of that fairy tale element where if you right. do something wrong, if you walk in the woods at night, you're gonna die. Right. If you drink from this chocolate creek. You're gonna die, right. or at least get sucked up and be made into cookies. Or something. Right. Its worldview is like very much in line with like sinners in the hands of an angry god. Where it's yeah. like uh, this guy, you know, one person's telling you this guy should be cheery and happy, and he makes candy, but then it's like you do one thing wrong, and you're you're dead. You're going to be murdered by candy <laughs> <laughs> or Oompa Loompas. Like, yeah. And it's Those like what? This yeah. is terrifying. Who says like this is insane? Yeah. And so, anyways, and a uh, lot of people say that boat ride might be the, the one of the creepiest scenes in movies. Actually, yeah, so. it's pretty pretty messed up. So there you go, number five for me, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. All right, number four for me. This will also come as no surprise. The Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. This one, ter- same brother that was terrified by the shadow, terrified of the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, you shouldn't make him watch the. Haunting. He hated those flying monkeys. Uh, you know you're. Your whole dialogue has ruined the haunting for so many people. It makes me so sad. <laughs> it's such a good movie. So anyway, Wizard of Oz, the flying monkeys, yes, the Wicked Witch. Even even the, when she goes and she drowns in the water, you know, mm-hmm. she vanishes yeah. in the water. That was really creepy for me as a kid. But definitely the flying monkeys. Even today, when I watch it, there's something really bothersome about those flying monkeys. Creepy. What is it about certain certain animals? presented in certain ways that makes them so bothersome. Like I I was watched I saw a whole bunch of creepy pictures with people with rabbit heads and they were really disturbing. I don't know what rabbits it, yeah. you wouldn't think would be very disturbing. It's like when you take something out of its normal context yeah. and you move it into another context like there's certain things that just have a that I don't know what it is but it like messes with our expectations in a really weird way. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's actually, I think there's a cracked article somewhere about how, like, Dorothy is actually the villain in uh, The Wizard cracked. of Oz. Yeah. So yeah. that's probably worth a look up. Probably not suitable for work, but actually Paul reads cracked at work. That's a fun oh, fact about oh Paul. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> it's 100% true. There's so many times I would look over his cube over the last, like, five years and he was reading cracked. <laughs> All right. Number four for me. This will be our last podcast. <laughs> Our last one. That was... That was was the the line. Right there. Making... (laughs) Talking about the haunting as a sexual sense and talking about crack and lying about it. Uh, Okay. All right. Number four for me. 2004 directed by Sam Raimi. Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2. Yeah. And and this is specifically for one scene. The scene where Doc Ock becomes Doc Ock and like awakens in the hospital... That is straight up horror. That through like I remember watching this in theaters. I enjoyed the first Spider Man as a young teenager. Now Spider Man Two's out. I'm going with my buddies for a romping, rollicking action adventure flick, and it was so terrifying. That scene in the hospital where he murders everybody that just like added these arms to him. Yeah, it was freaky. Like go back and watch that. It is a legitimate horror scene in the middle of a Spider Man movie, <laughs> and it's terrifying. <laughs> Terrible. I feel bad for you. Yeah. But not really because you don't it's at all because be I ruined podcast. everything for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number, number three. Number three for me. 
127. Ah, interesting. Oh, my Just gruesome, right? I never watched it. Here's the thing. You know, I think that, yeah, and it's not a movie that you necessarily want to watch, but I think that we sort of get out of, like, the the creepy bogeyman type of thing here, and we just get into something that really bothers you. And 127 Hours is essentially the story of this guy. It's a real story of this guy who got trapped in a really deserted Utah or Arizona canyon. Hardly anyone ever came by. A rock falls on his arm, and he's stuck there because Mm. the rock has crushed his arm. He can't get loose. The rock weighs something like two tons, and eventually he has to cut off his arm to escape. Obviously, that's really grisly and really gross. I don't find grisly and gross particularly scary. What I do find is that sense of terror of being there alone and there's nothing you can do. In some ways, it's almost a haunted house movie in and of itself because you're trapped. You're literally trapped. Right. And you feel that you have to do something unthinkable in order to make your escape. Mm. Creepy. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> just not it's a really good movie yeah it doesn't not take 127 it. hours to watch by the way not doing it you can watch it during the daylight when you're watching other things and making yourself sandwiches yeah unlike the haunting no alright number three for me number three for me Paul I was just looking up I was doing some research as Paul was talking <laughs> um, number three for me though is from 1995 directed by John Lasseter Toy Story Dude, Toy Story, legitimately creepy. Sid and his creepy toys, especially when they turn on him yeah, in particular, and they start emerging like up out of the ground. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, they're going to straight up mangle this child. And it's like, it's, Sid was creepy to think that like that was a th- creepy thing to see, like a child that could right. be this evil. Right. That disturbed me as a child. But then to see these toys turn on their creator and to hear his blood-curdling scream... That was unsettling. I loved the movie, but that was unsettling stuff for kids' yeah. movie. Yeah, no, I, I and it's made me hesitant to show my own children. Well, and you probably don't mangle your toys as much anymore. No, you know, I think that some of those toys were super creepy. Like the one that I still remember, just for you mentioning that. Yeah, is the little spider critter with the doll's right. head. The doll's head. Oh my gosh! Ooh, you know, on a, on a, the same sort of lines, Toy Story Four. It has some creepy toys. In I it. still haven't seen that one. Oh, you got to see it. That might make your list next time because mm. you don't like actual horror movies. But yeah. Yeah, you've got these these horrible ventriloquists who who haunt the uh, the screen quite a bit. It's it's actually pretty terrifying. All right. Well, I'm going to watch that with my kids on Halloween and freak them out. <laughs> it's happening. All right. Number two. Number two, Paul. The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. My dad is going to love this pick by you. He couldn't even finish the movie at like messed him up so bad yeah no i it, we've talked so much about the dark knight and heath ledger's portrayal of the joker even last episode so i won't go into too much detail but when you have that scene where you've got the pencil disappearing into the guy's oh, forehead man. you've got the threat that is always ever present that he's just going to slice somebody's face open and one of the things that i think really makes this work is the score 
Yeah. Hans Zimmer? Is so, that his Hans name? Hans Zimmer. So yeah, good. He, is a, he is mesmerizing that score because it's so tense, especially in the interaction between Batman and the Joker where you have this dissonance in the, in the score mm-hmm. that really emphasizes the chaos, the sense that everything is going to fall apart. If it hadn't been for that score of, of Hans Zimmer, I don't, I don't think it would have made it nearly as far up on my list, if it made my list at all. No, I mean, scores can be often underrated in that regard. Like because we just get mesmerized by the actors or the right. the dialogue or the you know just the creepiness of a, you know whatever that is, but scores are so important in that regard. I, we joked about it, I think back when we watched um, Nosferatu, yeah, last year, where it's like sometimes you have these really tense scenes that cinematically and like from the lighting and the acting could have been really creepy, but then you have this like. <laughs> And he's like, nope, not there, you know, or like <laughs> even watch me watching the haunting in broad daylight, you know, with some other things going on in the background like that. That does have a serious effect on like yeah. how, how things feel. And Hans Zimmer score. Yeah. No, I, here's the interesting thing about horror, really. And in, in, in terms of making scares, it's a lot like comedy because it has to land right. You can have all the elements. And if they just don't land right, then it doesn't work. And it's so easy to take. The, the scariest things and turn it into a comedy. That's why I think so many of the MST3K movies are, you know, horror movies that didn't work. The right. line between something that works and something that doesn't is just so fine. So you need to have all those elements working together. Yep. All right, number two for me is from 1934, directed by Gus Mines and Charlie Rogers. And it goes by many titles. One is March of the Wooden Soldiers. The other one, Babes in Toyland. This is a Laurel and Hardy film. What yeah. is up with this? Laurel and Hardy film. But, okay, so at, the villain in this movie ends up setting his bogeyman from bogeyland very on the nose. But it's one of, <laughs> it's like the flying monkeys where you're like, what? These things are truly disturbing. And they descend in a very creepy way on Toyland, which is a very happy place. And it's been like lighthearted and comedy, and there's the you know star-crossed lo- the lovers who you're like, oh, I want them Mickey to Roney, be Judy happy, Garland, right? Is that them? Uh, I think this was before their time. Mm. Charlotte Henry and Felix Knight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1934. Yeah, of yeah 34. Yeah. So Charlotte Henry, and you're like, I want them to be together, and oh, so Laurel and Hardy are so funny, and then these bogeymen, and they're like, they are super duper creepy, and um. They're like they like haunted me for a little bit as a kid because you know an adult showed this to a kid like oh it's Babes in Toyland it's right. March exactly. of the Wooden Soldiers exactly I was terrified you know it's amazing how little kids process things so much differently it's it's kids are just struck by different things yeah. you know than adults would think they would be and and they can feel very very unsettled by things that you wouldn't think a second thought of you yeah. know all so, right number one number one Paul for me scariest non horror film. The Walk. The Walk. 2015. So. Is this the one where you'd like. No, go ahead. Yeah. So it's it's actually uh, it's about a true story of a guy in the 1970s who strings a line yeah, across yeah. the World Trade Center and walks across it. He's a type rope walker. Yeah. The thing about this movie is I, I don't have a phobia phobia of heights, but I am a little bit freaked out by them. And. Just to give you I'm some insight. I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. <laughs> That's exactly right when it comes to this. Like, like I, I think that heights are kind of cool, except when it gets to a certain point. And this was way <laughs> beyond the certain point for me. Yeah. When I go watch a, a movie, that, like a horror movie that unsettles me, one of the tricks that I do as a reviewer 
is so I can still look at the screen and notice if there's anything horrible going on that I need to make note of. Right. But I don't want to be totally exposed to it. I look in the corner mm. of the of the movie screen. And I found myself doing that almost throughout <laughs> the last half of this movie. I'm I kid you not. I was looking at the corner of the screen during this really well done but slow drama. Yeah. It was it was incredibly bothersome to me just to watch him walk on that on that line, you know, a thousand feet up in the air. Sometimes he's walking through these clouds and you just think, oh, it's odd. Even just thinking about it freaks me out. <laughs> it's oh. it's funny because I didn't put a lot of time into thinking of what would be on your list. But I, I actually do have a memory of reading your review of the walk and being like this. <laughs> he was really scared. <laughs> and it, he was legitimately scared. Yeah, it really bothered me. I had the same I had the same feeling actually. There was there was a great documentary last year called and it won the Academy Award actually called Free Solo. Yeah, my wife loves that one. Yeah, well it, it's about the scaling of, right. of El Capitan um, without any ropes, all this kind of stuff. That movie bothered me to no end because he's climbing up this sheer face without a rope. With and you see yeah. these scenes of other rock climbers who slip and fall. Right. I mean, some they have parachutes. You don't see anybody actually die in the movie, but it's terrifying. It yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, number one for me is going to end us on a depressing note. So you're welcome. Number one for me was two thousand from two thousand three, directed by Gus Van Sant, and it is called Elephant. Oh, Did you ever have to see Elephant? No. Have you heard about Elephant? Yes. Wow, one of truly the most disturbed I've, times yeah. I've felt the most disturbed watching, and after being done with a movie. Yeah. Because it is shot in this like it's not a documentary, but it's this like hyper realistic. Like it doesn't feel like they're acting. It feels like they're just you're getting a day in the life of these high school kids and they feel super real. Like they, cause they feel awkward yeah. and they, and, and they're going through stuff. And like, I think one of them, you know, is embarrassed because she's, you know, getting her period and she's by herself. And, you know, these other ones are bratty and catty and clickish. And, but all the while you see this misunderstood guy and his buddy and they're plotting and about to execute, and they do by the end of the film, a shooting at their school. Yeah. And it is so skillfully executed in that it feels so realistic and disturbing and disquieting. Yeah. Like, it's still just talking about it. I feel disquieted. Yeah, um, see— he, he captured something insane in that film. See, it's an interesting thing because one of the things that, that I sort of— because I like horror, I like certain types of horror. Like, I don't like that to me. I would not like that movie. I like oh, things I hated that, it. Are, that are unsettling and creepy and atmospheric and give you sort of goosebumps. I don't like things that make you doubt the sanity and goodness of people. Yeah. You know, that's just not something that I dig. And, and so because of that, uh, I... Those are the movies that I that I stay away from. I just can't watch them if I can help it. Yeah, and I mean, and he bothersome. meant it as a character study to try to get people to face 
sort of the the rawness of these situations kind of because he he kind of was ahead of his time even you know yeah. in that we'd only had a few really big school shootings it was before the wave that we've had over the last right you know however many years and um boy he captured something truly horrific in a movie that's not not a horror film right so there you go that's yeah, thanks so much. Hey, I promise my most least thanks. important thing is going to be way better. It's going to leave the whole show on a high note. Oh so without goodness. further ado, it's time for the most least important thing. Yeah. Here, here we are. Here, here we are, still rattled. <laughs> From Rank Geeks, but it's time for the most least important thing, the way we love to wrap up every single show, making mountains out of molehills, though that's kind of what we do in every segment of our show. Every this segment. is just a random yeah. element to exactly. it. So, Paul, what did you bring today for the most least important thing? I've got a great one. I'm excited actually. for it. So, it's totally unrelated to anything we've been talking Perfect. about. But there is, there's a pair of sneakers now that you can buy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're from this streetwear brand, MSCHF. M- mischief. Mischief. Yes, and they are the ultimate preacher sneaker. Oh, the ultimate preacher the ultimate sneaker. Do you know why? Why? They have injected the water from uh, the Jordan River I did see this. into the souls. Into, <laughs> into the souls. The souls. Uh, uh, yes, they are literal Jordan Jordans. Jordan Jordans. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but um, how much do they cost? They cost, and this is interesting, they cost fourteen hundred dollars fourteen twenty five a pair essentially yeah. and it's actually <laughs> ironically it's because they also have matthew fourteen twenty five branded on the sneaker mm. so there you go, so for only fourteen twenty five you can buy your very own pair of sneakers that's that have one part of comma four two five not yeah. four t- one four no, period no. two five one thousand four hundred and twenty five <laughs> I would be needing to re- win every single marathon I ran in those suckers. Yeah, uh, you probably would with that amount of blessing. Now, I remember when I got baptized at the church I was going to, it was a rumor amongst the kids, and I never found out if this was true, that they would mix, that they had like a stash of water from the Jordan River that they would mix into the, the baptismal for every time <laughs> they would do baptisms. Really? That was, that was, this, that was the prevailing, like, rumor amongst wow. all of us kids growing up at church. I have no idea if there's any truth to it. Wow. Anyways. Interesting. My most least important thing this week is to let you guys know, in case you have not heard, the Office Ladies podcast is now live. Have you heard about this at all? The Office Ladies The Office. Podcast. It's called Office Ladies, pod, and it's a podcast. But it's Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, I think that's her name, from The Office, you know, Jenna Fisher yeah, played yeah, yeah, Pam yeah. and yeah. Angela played yeah. Angela. Um, they're like B- – they became BFFs in real life doing The Office, uh, even though they, of course, played enemies essentially right. in exactly. The Office. And now in advance of the 15th anniversary of The Office, they are releasing a new podcast called Office Ladies where these two women, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, if I'm getting her name right, uh, are going to watch every single episode of The Office – and talk about the episode and things from behind the episode and 
that apparently they're going to do all 200 episodes of The Office. So, like, if you've been waiting for the perfect time for your seventh rewatch of The Office, it's now because the pilot episode of the podcast is out. And my, the second one might even be out by the time you're listening. Man, oh and man. I'll say, I've listened to most of the first episode, and they're a little too nice to each other. Like, you want you – want, you want, you want more of like bickering? you want a little bit bickering because yeah. that's Pam and that's Angela, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're just so nice to each other that at first it's a little bit off putting. Like <laughs> you, you like you like the tension. You You're like, like the where's memes. the tension? But then they start dropping some truly fascinating tidbits about the office. Like as they start to yeah. talk about it, about you know the fact that when they went to shoot the pilot. The director who's doing the American adaptation would make them come in really early to do their hair and makeup and then sit in the office for 30 minutes just pretending to work before they would do any filming. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hmm. And 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 so that they could get into the, the vibe of what it would be like to be an office worker. <laughs> That's hilarious. And so there's just some really – like as they start to get into talking about the show, there is some fantastic stuff that's coming out. So if you're a fan of The Office, Office Ladies is out now and you can get it anywhere you get podcasts. See, I, I think I just realized the problem with our podcast. It's entirely a behind-the-scenes <laughs> show without any actual content, right? I mean, isn't that – And we just fight issue? all the time and we, <laughs> we like never like each other. <laughs> So that's why it really throws me off. I'm like, is this how podcasts are supposed to be? I don't what? like it. What? I don't like People it. People aren't supposed to be nice to each other. <laughs> oh, so yeah, check it out, Office Ladies, on a podcast distributor near you. But uh, let us know about Office Ladies, the haunting. I mean, tell us if you buy some really expensive Jordan-filled sneakers. Yeah, or what was the scariest non-horror film you've ever seen? I or actually, why I actually want to know. So wrong about the haunting? Why I think I'm right the about best, the haunting. Why is it the best? Paul even admitted that made. I was right about the haunting. No, I said you had a point. There's a difference. <laughs> there is a difference. Yeah, it's a difference in you semantics. You will not ruin the haunting for me. I wasn't trying to ruin the haunting for you. I was just trying to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. That's my truth, Paul. Uh, but I do seriously want to know what is the scariest non-horror movie you've ever seen? Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. We got to haul out of here before they close the library. (laughs) Four minutes to go. (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs>